it's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LaBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you. We want to thank you for having us locked in. And if you have not downloaded the Sound of Mobile app, Make sure that you download that free Sound of Mobile app to any Android or Apple device that you may have so you can correspond with us here on the app. And tomorrow, of course, high school football games going on, and we want to hear from you in regards to getting those updates and scores. We'll be with you from 6 until midnight when Pigskin Pete concludes his show. And also tomorrow, don't forget it'll be your opportunity to win two SEC championship football tickets by picking seven correct college and pro games combined. We'll give you that list to choose from, and you'll have an opportunity to register for those two free SEC championship tickets. Nick Wiggins, I know that when you look at the SEC championship, Auburn hopes to be there. Alabama hopes to be there. LSU hopes to be there. A&M yeah. hopes to be there. On the yeah. other side, Georgia, they've been there in back-to-back seasons. So don't know who it's going to wind up being. A lot of football left to be played. But in order to get there, you have to have recruits. Sure. And you have to find a way here, whether it's through the portal or whether it's through NIL, to make sure that you're in good shape. I know yesterday at Coach Nick Saban's press conference, he was asked and spoke on the fact that some recruits trying to get 5K just to get them to come to campus and name, image, and likeness. All summer long, you've seen the SEC and Coach Saban and other ambassadors within the SEC go before Congress and try to get things what Coach Saban says are guardrails that are needed. But he chimed in yesterday on his press conference. Uh, last week, uh Gene Smith, the AD at Ohio State, went before the uh, Small Business Committee in the House and talking about guardrails for NIL, and he dropped a little nugget about uh, prospects wanting $5,000 to come just to make a visit. And I wondered if uh, you'd been approached by any prospects for things like that, and if so, how you'd handle that. Not that I know of. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know of anybody that has asked us you know, for that. Um, but look, you know, name, image, and likeness is not really name, image, and likeness. I mean, I think we all understand what it's become and, and what we allowed it to become. And I said long ago and got very criticized for, is this what we want college football to become? So it's becoming what it's becoming, and, and that's okay. I mean, we'll just adapt and do what we have to do to be able to compete uh, whatever the circumstances are. So um, do I think that it would be uh, judicious to have some guardrails on some things? Uh, I think you can figure that one out just as well as anybody else. 
guardrails in place, 5K for a visit, not signing the deal, but just 5K for a visit. Now, he said that people were asking for that, not that they gave it to them. Correct, correct. But that's where you are right now in the state of college football. Whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter because it's real. 5K to get somebody on campus, that's that's a real deal. That's a real that, thing. Do you think that they asked for it because they've gotten it or had it offered to them from other places, or this was just like one random guy just pulling that out of nowhere? No random guy. It, it, it does happen all the time, and that's part of where we're going in collegiate athletics. If you've got it, you can spend it, and there are just no regulations. When NIL, like I said, you just started squeezing the tube and you can't put it back in into the toothpaste back into the tube once you squeezed it. Look, they they were talking about guardrails and suggesting to have some type of guardrails. I'll I'll open this up to the audience as well. You know, what kind of guardrails do you think NIL needs that at this point we still have the ability to implement? Because we've already opened Pandora's box. It's out there. It's running wild. But at this point, I mean, do you have any ideas of what guardrails we can kind of keep things in line? Like, I like the idea of, like, an NIL salary cap because it can't just be this unlimited pot of money, right? It can be. But and you like is. that? But do you like that? The, I like guardrails, and I think that putting some type of cap on it, absolutely, or making sure that if you do receive those funds, there's ways that you can't touch that money until – you finish with the school because who's to say you don't sit and rake in all that cash and then hit the transfer portal. So I think that definitely there have to be stipulations to it for sure. But anytime that you look at just a a random number of $5,000 being thrown out there, even if it's not $5,000, let's just say it's $500 for an opportunity for a recruit to show up to campus. Well, recruits get five official visits that they're entitled to. They get everything paid for for five official visits. You can go anywhere you want to and have that official visit and have it paid for. And I mean from your housing to your meals to to everything that you could think of. So is it worth it to the student athlete, to the student recruit? Absolutely it is. 100% 100% it is. Do I like the way that it's going? No, I don't. And I think that that's, it's very unfortunate. But it was interesting to hear Coach Nick Saban chime in about the five grand and his ideas and thoughts about guardrails. And he has been very vocal. But he knows not to say that he does not believe in NIL. He's right. never said that. He just says that there has to be and there should have been regulations going into well and what he said about it's not name image and likeness anymore we all know what it is and and that's true what it was originally meant to do was to give a player the ability to profit off their name their image and their likeness you know you look at uh bryce young how much money is bryce young generating for alabama he should be able to profit off his name his image and likeness because before this was a thing you know you had the reggie bush situation you had the people getting in in trouble for getting paid for autographs, trying to get by in college. But now all of a sudden it's become something else. Here in the app, we kind of got two people arguing on the opposite sides. One guy says it's ridiculous, and if it's not regulated, this will be his final year watching college football. There's there's one hard stance. 
And the other guy says, look, gas is high. Imagine filling up the car and traveling across America to visit a college. Five grand seems kind of fair. That guy called him a moron. The other guy says, stop hating. So it's not a matter of whether, you know, you, you're going to stop watching college football because yeah, of NIL. You don't do all that. Come because on. it is going to continue. It is here to stay. It's not going backwards. And, you know, we would love to hear from you, 251-694-1055, or you can continue to correspond with us in the app also. And well, I, I – uh, it's uh, unfortunate. Yeah. Other than a cap on the NIL, what other type of guardrails do you think could be beneficial to college football moving well, forward? You, you don't, in the don't, don't, don't pigeonhole college football because now when you pigeonhole okay, it, you, you have general, to, yeah, you saying? have, you have okay. to open it up to all every last right. sport because every student athlete can benefit from name, image, and likeness. And you just look uh, on the other side of things with. Angel Reese at LSU making two and a half to almost three million dollars in endorsement deals. So Coach Saban just wanted there to be more guardrails, and that's why they went before Congress, and that's why they spent all this extra time. And coaches across the country are still searching for that answer. But I think that the answer should have been searched out and a plan in place prior to what we're already dealing with. I know we have a caller. Caller, welcome to the final drive this afternoon. Corey, what's going on, man? Malcolm Banks. How's it going, Malcolm? Man, I can't call it, man. I can't call it. Want to thank you for calling in. What are your thoughts on this NIL? Um, I think, like I said, it's something that should have been implemented a long time ago with these college athletes um, because every other type of sport, these, you know, these players are getting paid enough to where sometimes they might not have to worry about their name making money. Um, but it does need there does need to be some type of I don't use the word sanction, but like you got where you guys been using as guardrails to put a you know, it's almost like putting a cap on the soda that's about to explode. Because like like the point that Corey mentioned about, you know, Popeyes gives this kid this much money because he's playing at this school, and then he jumps in the transfer portal. Now he's leaving with that money from Popeyes and then goes to another school, and now Churches wants to offer him some money. You know, so and kids can do that and just jump and jump and jump and jump and jump and just get all the money that they can or money that they want to. Yeah, Malcolm, you're exactly right about that. I, I know those are part of those guardrails that definitely have to be in place, and I don't think that you should just continue to give a student athlete as much money as they want with there not being any repercussions behind that athlete leaving and seeking, like you mentioned, another church's chicken or a Kentucky Fried Chicken, for example, in regards to restaurant services. And I want to thank you, Malcolm, for, for listening and chiming in this afternoon here on the final drive. But it is it is one of those stipulations that – Coach Saban has continued to harp on it. And Dabo Sweeney, uh, as much as he has kind of fought against the transfer porter in NIL, it is here to stay. And what's even no. more unfortunate is the fact that it, it it people have said it and it's been said five or six years ago. If this happens, it is going to trickle down into high school athletics. Well, and it already has. Yeah, so they have already – uh, we spoke about the ruling and the Buffalo Wild Wings gift card where an Alabama high school had to forfeit their win because they had a player of the week get that 
Well, the Alabama High School Athletic Association, they now are allowing gift cards to restaurants. Now, I don't think there's a cap on that restaurant gift card. So, therefore, like we haven't opened the box wide open for the potential of what this can be, but I guarantee you there's some high school in some city and they're hooking up with whatever restaurant is down the road from the high school and they're saying, hey, potential five-star player, if you come out and play here at our high school, we got your dinner and your lunch for you and your family covered throughout the whole season. That's going to happen. There People are always are, they're, loopholes. They're, they're brain, I know that – I'm telling you, man. They're the always are loopholes. already churning on how to get that stuff done. And, and with there always being loopholes, people are always going to find a way to circumvent what the situation is already in place. And, and it is unfortunate that we are talking about NIL in high school athletics. And have no problem when you have – a stadium full of 100,000 people, and 3,000 of those people have on your jersey, your number, your name, and you haven't been able to profit from it, that's flat out not right. That's right. And I'm glad that they have found a way now to where I was talking to Scott Hunter on Tuesday, and he said he went into the new gift shop there at Bryant-Denny Stadium, and you're able to see the names of the current players, and they're getting a percentage. They're getting a pull what is of the seeing their name. Do you know Have no you clue. Know? Have mm. no clue as to what that percentage is. But whatever, the, it's more than what they were making because you know <laughs> hey, percentage a percentage is more than zero. Than zero. Yeah. So that percentage in and of itself is good because you do see – I mean, imagine all the Tua Tungavailoa jerseys or right. the Devontae Smith jerseys or the Julio Jones jerseys or A.J. McCarron jerseys that were floating out there, and that player not received a dime, not being able to profit at all off of that. I think that's important. But to say that you want to pay a recruit $5,000 to sit there and step on the campus. What if? Okay, here's an idea for a guardrail, guideline, whatever you want to call it. What if... And, I, and they might even have this. I don't know. But maybe you shouldn't even be able to accept an NIL offer until you've played a certain amount of downs for your school. No. Again, you're, you don't, you're, don't, don't, don't pigeonhole it because you're looking at football only, brother. This is all student Full athletes. Play. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Um, you, you amount can't. of quarters, time, whatever, for whatever sport. But it's all different. It's all different. Well, B every, line, every it's, player it's for any sport has to play their sport. Correct. So I'm saying you have to set some type of milestone for each individual sport. And if you, you know, after your first swim meet, then you can qualify to start getting NIL. Nick, think about this. Yeah. Think about this. You're, 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 you're a swimmer. Yep. You're the number one swimmer in the country. You're the number one football prospect in the country. Yes. You go out there, you have an Aaron Rodgers-type moment. Your Achilles is blown on the first opportunity you have. Should you stop being paid because you tore your Achilles? Well, no. I mean, but you but still got to profit off I, of that, brother. I know, but I get that. But think of it from, like, the business that part of it. That is the business. But if you are the business owner, you're like, man, I'm about to give uh, Arch Manning $2 million because he plays at Texas. And Which then they he, steps, he steps on the field, and then he tears his ACL. Oh, actually, Arch Manning isn't going to play at all this year. Like, you kind of be like, okay, well, I guess I get my two mil back, right? Because they're not getting anything out of it. I'm, I'm like business. this. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. Because that two mil turns into 12 million worth of profit and promotion. 
does it though? We, we've had this conversation Nick. before. We, we absolutely can't, we can't even Man, name. You mean to tell me people don't see Deion Sanders and his son eating KFC and then they go out and buy him a chicken bucket? Man, come on, brother. However much money they paid Dion to do that commercial, KFC I is know, seeing it. But if what all of a hundredfold? All right, but what happens if like, uh, sh- let's you can't Dion's his own entity as a coach. Let's say like, I got it. I'm going to do the commercial. I'm going to do an nil deal with Caleb Williams at USC. Okay. All right. I am whatever fast food restaurant A. Okay. I'm going to give this guy a million dollars, and he's going to. I guess being a commercial, yep. I don't even yep. know. He is all of a sudden he doesn't play the rest of the year. He never even played the first game. Something happened in practice. He sure. just doesn't play this year. Does the I just don't think the value's there. Like is he you're still the, you're talking about the exception to the rule, brother. You, you can't think about the exception to the rule because that's what you were thinking of the exception no, no. to the rule because you brought up the Aaron Rodgers. That's no, the no. Big, world's biggest exception. No, no. To the you rule. were you were pointing out the fact that the Aaron Rodgers. That's one incident that it's a big primetime player. It doesn't take primetime players for people to buy their jerseys because I can be that bench rider and I can have a whole heck of a lot of friends and family that want to support me and now I'm profiting right. off of that without even but touching see, the field. Look, so there I, is no I get exception it from there. the player perspective, but when you look at it. From from the business perspective that's funding the NIL, like who knows how many millions and billions of dollars are going around throughout the whole, you know, every college roster of every team. Like how many products can you really say that you can think of are being promoted? Like you mentioned KFC, that's one. You got Caleb Williams in the Heisman house. It's Nissan, I think. I think they do Dr. You Pepper. name it, you can sell it, brother. It doesn't matter what it can be. But it can I, be I can't beef even jerky. Think of the, I can't think of the product. Like it can I, be I think beef of the coldest Crawford. He's got the AC repair guy in Nebraska. Brother, it doesn't matter what the product is. If you find somebody who wants to endorse you, it can be from beef jerky. It can be from selling yarn. It can be whatever home goods, whatever right, you feel that this if, athlete can, I feel like gonna if, profit. If you were to set that guideline that you gotta play this amount, you gotta do this amount, some type of incentive, then that also eliminates the hey, we're gonna pay you this just to like you're not paying people to just come to your school anymore. In a sense, you still are, because like, hey, come here and do what we know you can do, play like we know you're going to play, playing a game like we're going to plan to play you, you're going to get this NIL deal. But it's not as simple as, hey, man, here's here's $500,000. Just sign this, uh, you know, accept this scholarship and come out here. There's an, It adds, like, one more barricade, one more hoop that has to be gone through because then it also eliminates the coming and leaving and just cashing That's the in. That's guardrail that has to be in the, place. The, the guardrail has to be in place the amount of time. No, the, the business isn't worried about an incentive. They're not worried about that. They That's why they call it marketing. Some marketing works, some marketing fails. Does that keep you from spending your dollars? It does not. You may still have a budget with the marketing, but there's a huge difference between not spending at all and the value in which you're getting back for it. I'm with Fiducey in regards to saying, hey, look, let the college student athlete, after four years or three years, then you get paid, you know the money's there, you know the money's not going anywhere, and then be able to go ahead and cash in. Wait, you're saying... Repeat that again? You're saying they don't see the money at all while they're in college? Correct. Oh, no. Correct. No. Because you're in a situation to where 
in the past, have they received that money? What do nope. you mean? The, the athletes, the student athletes, no. what have they received? No. Okay. okay. So there, what's the difference, Nick? Well, the di- uh, oh, there well, is now no difference. Well, but see, now, see, I feel like mm, there is no difference. You weren't what? getting paid, brother. You know for a fact you're going to college to get that degree. That's going to be but your paycheck, but right? But you're, you're getting paid. Look, every day isn't promised, right? So let's say here I am, great defensive lineman for yep. whatever school. Oh, I got all these crazy NIL offers. Man, this is awesome. Oh, wait, I still don't have any money to my own name. Oh, I still can't afford to get a car. To I still can't afford to help out my family, even though, hey, what's up? I'm Caleb Williams. I'm Heisman Trophy winner. I'm the top NIL guy. I'm getting millions of dollars. Oh, but I'm not going to see it for three years because it's like a savings bond from your grandma? Brother, No, you get, if you're getting paid, what if I told you this, Corey? You, you're missing my point. Hey, Corey, we have got you a college, show. Have they been getting paid, Nick? Have they been getting paid prior to yes. NIL? No, but y- they have now. Uh, okay, so what's the problem with having that money you can't go saved back. up you can't and go ready back. to grab? Because there has been no money saved up ready to grab. At least you know it's out there for you. If you do don't not make it to the NFL, I sure would like to have 100000 dollars sitting there knowing I didn't make it to the NFL saying man I did my job oh. NIL wise and it's sitting there waiting for You're me telling than me to sit there and not have it at all. You would rather get a hundred thousand bucks in the future than get the hundred thousand bucks while you're earning it brother if i'm not look, making if you it to came the into NFL, work today look let's say tim calls we're talking you, about <laughs> nil listen, we're not talking about hypothetical it's a job someone your your boss calls you into the office hey Corey, we're kind of mixing some things up we know you've been getting paid every two weeks but we actually gonna just kind of cluster all the money up and we're gonna give it to you in two years listen to you'd me. be like no way what do you go nick what does the common non-student athlete go to school for four years for to get an to get education, ready, to get an education, to, to get, get ready what? for a job. To get, and what's that job going to do? Start your career. Le- what's it's that gonna job going to do? Okay, say it again. That job. But how gonna, many kids in college? That job's going to pay you. How many kids in college work during college? I worked during college because I needed the, money the to non-student live. The non-student athlete normally does. So a student athlete, they don't have the time to. But you know what? Commit to that non-student athlete has one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars to pay back too, in student loans. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know, but I'm yeah. just saying, like, as a college student, I can work a job and make money. The athlete, their time that they would spend w- doing a job is to practice and get better at their craft. So they have no chance to make any income. <laughs> here's I don't the, know. Here's don't the four-year guard rule. But y- you say four years, you can make it three years because you can go one and done into the NBA. You can spend three years in a college and go on to the NFL. If you have to wait and you want to love college the way Peyton Manning did and spend four years there, by all means, do so. It is a great topic of debate because there are no guardrails. What if you were to do it where maybe you got it at the end of, like, each season? Not a problem there either. waiting so long, that just seems crazy to me. Not a problem there either, but... That's whether that proposal is in place or not. There's still no guardrails, and that's what Nick Saban was saying about the name, image, and likeness, and the fact that you can get 5K for visiting a campus. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Phil Steele, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5.
Welcome back to the final drive. And guys, this Saturday, Alabama plays Mississippi State at 8 p.m. You got to come out to the Stables Bar downtown off St. Francis Street. Come watch it with us. We're going to be giving away an Alabama jersey at halftime. We're going to give everyone that's there a free T-shirt, courtesy of WNSP and Future Ones. Uh, the jersey, courtesy of The Vault. They got some great drink specials, $3 Bama shots, $2.50 Miller Lights, $3 Sweetwater Lagers. I don't even know what that is, but I'm definitely going to try it for that price. They got that big patio area. We're going to have the bus parked out there, so you'll know where we're at. So come on out. Hang out with us. I mean, who, who better to watch a game with, right? Right? Well, look, coming up next... We're going to talk with South Alabama quarterback Carter Bradley coming off a real tough loss against Central Michigan. We're going to ask him about that, but it should be good. So don't change that dial. Listen to these next commercials because you don't want to miss the beginning of it and come back and you're like, oh, I missed the first 40 seconds of that interview. So just stay tuned. This is the final drive. Corey, Nick, we'll be right back. Hey, this is Ladarius Owens, former Auburn football player and current CFL player. You're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this Thursday afternoon. And want to thank everyone for having us locked and loaded and tuned in and Love to talk about our South Alabama Jaguars. Last week, homecoming didn't go the way that the Jaguars had planned, but it's not necessarily a loss. It's going to be a lesson learned as South Alabama has gone back to the drawing board with all their goals still in front of them in regards to some belt conference championship play taking on James Madison, a 4-0 squad this week. And who better to talk to than the leader of the South Alabama offense and in the locker room, Carter Bradley joins us. Carter, how's it going this afternoon? Doing great, doing great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it as always. Always a pleasure catching up with you. And I know that when you look at that 14-0 start that Central Michigan gave up to you guys, spotted you guys 14, was there a difference? I know teams make adjustments, but was there anything in particular that was a huge difference maker in that last Saturday's ball game? Um, I think it's just, you know, the offense, you know, we kind of got in those little lulls there, you know, the first one in the, in the first half, right after that, you know, we went up 14 to zero and then we had one in the third quarter. I mean, we can't do that to our defense. You know, if you go three and out, it's like a 14 play drive for the defense. You know, they're tired. They've been on the field for a while. Uh, it, it doesn't help this team out. So we got to figure out a way where, you know, we got to move the ball down the field, uh, take some time off the clock, uh, score some points and end up, you know, with a kick either way. I think, uh, you know, we just kind of got in that 14-point lead and think, uh, you know, it was going to handle itself the rest of the game. And uh, I think we got a little bit too comfortable in that. But, you know, that's a great lesson in non-conference play for us for the rest of the season. Without question, it was a learning lesson for you guys. And one of the great things you look at taking care of the football, Carter, I mean, no turnovers there for you, no interceptions there. I know – 
against James Madison this week. You guys have been focusing on dominating at the line of scrimmage, being able to go ahead and get some rushing yards because James Madison comes into this contest probably with the best rushing defense that you're going to see all season long, and they're really, really stingy giving up less than 70 yards a game for rushing. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's a great opportunity for, you know, us as an offense, the guys up front, our backs. Uh, you know, I think we can go into that game, you know. Uh, you know, we understand who they are as a defense, and we got to play to our strengths. And, uh, you know, we also got to understand their strengths. So I think, you know, our game plan is, is unbelievable this week. Coach, uh, Coach Applewhite uh, has done a great job at implementing uh, the stuff that we need to this week and kind of bouncing back after, you know, a tough one last week. So I think we're ready to go and uh, head down there and give up a good fight. It's been kind of a, let's say, roller coaster season up to this point in non-conference play. You know, you play a really tough, hard-fought game against ranked Tulane. Then you come back to Southeast Louisiana. It looks scary there at halftime, right? Then y'all turn it on the second half. Cheese it, national team of the week against Oklahoma State on top of the world, and then maybe brought back to reality against Central Michigan. How do you, I guess, go from that and then into conference play, try to keep it level and not have so many high ups and low downs? Yeah, exactly what you said is just trying to keep it level, you know, understand that, uh, you know, whatever happened last week, whatever it's, uh, you know, a, a great win against a team like, you know, Oklahoma State or, you know, uh, a Central Michigan type loss, you know, we got to got to learn from the good, got to learn from the bad and, and just keep going. I mean, we only have 12 opportunities, uh, you know, each year uh, they're getting, you know, slimmer by the by each week. Uh, but it's it's one of those things that you just got to keep on moving forward. Uh, don't make the same mistake twice and just keep a reality check of, hey, how can I just continue on getting better? And, you know, from my aspect is how can I get these guys around me better? How can I get them more comfortable and making sure that we're making progress instead of, you know, living in, uh, you know, the things that we did the week before and, and just like that world. I think, you know, just keep going and trying to get, you know, to be our best each and every day, I think is the direction that we need to head. And I think we are. Carter, also, as far as Colin Lacey and you are concerned, you have found a safety net there in Colin Lacey because he is so explosive yards after catch and his ability to get off the line of scrimmage and get off of that jam coverage. Talk about the confidence that you have and have established with Colin Lacey this season. Yeah, and I think, honestly, that's all started from last year. You know, it's just trusting in guys, trusting in, you know, uh, a guy like Jay Wayne and Devin and Colin now, you know, with, with Devin out this year, I think you would have saw, you know, me doing that the same way with Devin and Colin. But, you know, Colin's taken on an unbelievable role at, um, you know, being like the number one guy in that room, but also, you know, bringing guys along with him. And he's just proving he can go out and he can compete against anybody any day. You know, if it's on the football field, in the in the film room, I mean, he's, he's truly taken on a role uh, of being that number one guy and going out and competing every day. And, you know, I can't be more proud of him. Last year, you guys kind of surprised the average football fan by going 10-2. and two. You put South Alabama, yourself, your team, Coach Kane Womack, on the map. Now, all of a sudden, this year, instead of going and being the hunter, now you've got the target on your back being the hunted. Have you felt that in games up to this point? Um, 
honestly, I don't really feel that at all. I just feel like, you know, it's been, you know, I've taken it as a one-week process, a one-week goal of how can I get better. I'm not looking at, you know, I understand that, you know, a lot of people probably in the Sun Belt have a target on us and, and looking at us to be the team to beat. But honestly, I think every week that's how it's going to be when they play South Alabama. I think, you know, uh, every week whoever we play, you know, we feel that they have a target on their back and we got to go and be our best and, and compete against them and beat them. So I feel like, you know what, I think it's just so competitive in the Sun Belt that, uh, you know, I, I don't really look at it that way. Uh, some may from the outside look at it that way, but I think it's just so competitive that, uh, you know, it, it's a one-week process kind of deal. You talk about the one-week process. Let me ask you this, Carter. You've played football almost your entire life, and I know that you've. It, it's human nature to be upset about a, a loss and to be extremely excited about a, a great victory, but you mentioned trying to stay even kill as a quarterback. Who do you look to, whether it's collegiately or professionally, to kind of model your game after to keep it even killed? Because that quarterback position, yes, there may be some interceptions thrown or there may maybe some sacks and some hits that are taken but how do you how do you stay even killed and who do you look to for that inspiration yeah i feel like growing up i've heard all the different types of stories uh from my dad on you know guys just kind of coming back in on that monday after a you know a sunday victory or a big sunday loss um and just going at the process the same way no matter who it is and i think you know you look at the guys who have done it for a long time and had a lot of success in the league and like a Philip Rivers or, you know, a Russell Wilson, you know, it doesn't matter to them whether it's a win or a loss. Definitely those wins, you know, feel a whole lot better going in that film room, but they're always honest with themselves. They're always, you know, uh, telling the truth about what the film says. And I think, you know, who does a great job at that with me is Coach Applewhite. You know, we sit down, you know, there there is no fogginess to the film. Uh, we don't try to sugarcoat anything. We go over, we we say what we need to get better at. We say, you know, there are some good things on this tape, but we need to c come back and fix these things and continue on getting better um, at the position and as a leader and for this offense. So I think, you know, I, I've heard all the stories from those guys in the NFL and uh, my dad's been about around great leaders, but I think, you know, I'm trying to build my own here at South and I feel like Coach Applewhite's uh, done an unbelievable job at that with me. Recently, Tom Brady on a podcast said that in today's league, it's a little different. And when he played, he would have to find a way to hate the opponent. And you find some way to charge up yourself and, and get uh, fueled in that way. Uh, you know, you see Dion in the Colorado State with the sunglasses and the hat. And they make it personal. And that fuels them. Do you have anything like that? Or are you basically, you just come in, do your job, and move on to the next day? You know, I think... Uh since I was a kid, I think my dad's kind of installed uh, this competitive mindset in me. Um, you know, I remember him just saying, hey, there's just someone who's always working harder than you. There's always someone that's probably going to be better than you. And I always kind of just tell myself that when I was younger, and it's installed just a mindset of, you know what, I'm never as good as I can be. I got to go in there, and I got to be even better. Uh, I'm very, I'm probably my biggest critic uh, to myself, and it can hurt me at sometimes. But I feel like, you know, I don't really listen to the doubts. I don't really listen to anything kind of outside. You know, I've ha I have had this mentality since I was since I was growing up, just to be the best version I can be, and just kind of find myself um, in that way. I love new challenges. I love um, you know the ups and downs of football. You grow so much. So I think you know me coming here to South, Coach Opwhite, and 
myself have really bonded over that because he's been through it. He understands the game. So we've grown together. Uh, he's taught me unbelievable things. So I think just kind of going into that, you know, each week, it's stuff that I've had since I was a kid and I've taken it into now and it's just gotten into a mindset of I got to get this thing right and there's no other way. Carter, I do want to ask you about when the defense does struggle or the offense does struggle, does the defensive captains ever come to you or do you ever go to the defense and say, hey, look, guys, you, you get them off the field and we're going to go ahead and bring you to glory. We're going to get you that. It, it's that, you know, I guess that mutual respect to where when one struggles, the other one lifts them up, but it's even better when everyone's on the same page like it was in Stillwater. Yeah, I think, honestly, like you said, like everyone's on the same page. I think, you know, there's not a lot that needs to be said to the defense, and there's not, I don't think, a lot to be said to the offense. I think we both understand what we need to do. Uh, you know, I don't think they need to be told that, hey, we might need to, you know, uh, do a better job, or like they think when the offense struggles, we need to do a better job. I think we understand each job uh you know, going into each Saturday, what we need to do to be successful. And I think we have so much trust in that locker room and each other. And, and going into Saturday, you know, we're going we're gonna to have some ups and downs. We understand that. But, you know, we're going to compete our tail off. And, you know, I just think, you know, we're all on the same page and understand each other well enough that we don't need each other to, to be led into something. So I think, you know, we understand that as captains, you know, we got each other's back and we're going to go at this thing. Carter, we spoke with Sheriff and Q not too long ago, and they both were just boasting about the Carter-Bradley fishing trips. Can you give <laughs> us a little more insight into that? Uh, just, you know, I think, uh, you know, I try to find my way around Mobile. It's just been, you know, itching at people about some spots. Uh, probably been a little bit annoying, but, you know, when I go back home to Jacksonville, uh, when my dad's not around, I, I run his boat for him, so I got some, some cool offshore stories, uh, just seeing stuff, seeing all kinds of sharks and some big manta rays out there, but uh, that's definitely where I find, you know, my second piece, I call it, uh, my first piece is on the field and uh, playing football, but, you know, definitely getting out there and fishing with, you know, whoever I bring out there, like the guys, uh, it's, definitely, it's definitely something I love to do. Well, we hope you catch a big Duke and reel them in this weekend as you guys take on the James Madison Dukes. South Alabama opening up in Sunbelt Conference play, trying to go ahead and put them and position themselves to become Sunbelt Conference champions one game at a time. The next game up for the Jaguars is a road trip to undefeated James Madison. Carter, can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the final drive. Jay's up, and we wish you the best. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys. Hello, Mobile. This is Damian Craig, and I'm listening to Sports Station WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Want to thank Carter Bradley and wish him the best of luck as he will take his quarterback talents to face James Madison this weekend, and hopefully South Alabama can get off to that 1-0 Sunbelt Conference start. Now, Nick Saban, he always has a message to the media. He was able to kind of tell how he uses the media to motivate his players, not before the game, but early in the week. 
We don't know if Dan wanted it out or not. Coach Dan wanted it out or not. We have not heard from him. There's some people that say, yeah, he wanted that out. That's why he was actually his good side. <laughs> oh. People are saying that that was actually his good side. That's why they put it out there. But my first instinct, as soon as I heard it, I was like, I wish I didn't get a chance to see. Like, that's him talking to his. Is that a conversation between who, media and coach? Like, when's that decision made on if that goes out, especially in this modern world? Well, in the modern world, I think you can use the media to send a message to your team. I don't think you need to do that right before the game. <laughs> I, I mean, that's something you do on Monday when you talk to the press or whatever, and you want to get a message out there because your team's going to hear that message. So you can reinforce it in a team meeting, but you, you want everybody to be thinking that way. And sometimes you want your fans to think that way too, so that rat poison doesn't get to them. Yeah, I, uh, I'm really, I'm intrigued about the behind the scenes on how that got out, because I don't think Dan wanted that out. I think, but people think Dan wanted it out. doesn't matter because they beat the hell out of Colorado. You know what I mean? And also the things that Colorado was saying yeah. in the back made that game even bigger. But I, I'm very interested how coaches draw inspiration to galvanize an entire team. It's not easy at all. So the, the fact that you've done it for so long and are still doing it, bravo. A lot of work. A lot of work. Do you think that the Oregon coach wanted that out, Corey? Absolutely he did. Yeah. I mean, you, you know that you have cameras in the locker room, whether it's your university cameras, your team cameras, or the broadcast cameras. Yeah, you want that out. You want that message to be sent. And whether it's right before a game, Nick Saban with great insight there on how he uses the media early in the week to pump the message not only to his team, but the fan base also. So, He's multitasking. You know, Nick Saban is a master psychologist. He understands. He reads a lot. People say he eats his little Debbies and watches the Weather Channel. But in behind all that, yeah, he's watching TV. Yeah, he, he's, he knows what's going on in Twitter. He may not want you to know that, but whether someone comes and tells him and that or that or not, I, I think he does have firsthand information to a lot of the stuff that he hears and sees and uses it to motivate his team. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Look, Nick Saban, he's one of the best at it. Pat McAfee there giving him a little round of applause. But uh, I I don't know if that Oregon coach really – I'm not going to say he didn't want it out, but I don't think he was planning on it being out. Now, Oregon, they did make that five-minute little film recapping the day and they use that audio over it while the Oregon players are getting ready and the Colorado players are saying they're going to beat the hell out of them and the duck and the coaches uh but I don't know like because Pat McAfee he was saying he was even like cheating the camera to show his good side I don't think it was that thought out right no I, I, I'm not going to say it's that thought out but when you do know audio and cameras are prevalent Prevalent in every single venue that you have. There's nothing you can say nowadays that's going to be kept sacred. I'm sorry. You, 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 it's just not not the case. Not in today's day and age. You know, 20 years ago, absolutely. What happened in the locker room would stay in the locker room. Yeah, but we, I mean, I'm not seeing any halftime speeches, pregame speeches in the locker room from Nick Saban. That's not getting out. Yeah, it's getting out. You watch the Nick Saban show. Every Sunday? I do not. There you have it right there. You you right, watch Alabama Athletics? It. Yeah. He, his, his speeches get out. 
There's definitely been some leaked Nick Saban speeches, just like there's been Kirby Smart leaked speeches. On the other side, Lindsey Crosby breaking down Major League Baseball for us. The Sound of Mobile presents for the, win. the final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Dick Wiggins. For the win. Go! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Welcome to our number two of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you this Thursday afternoon. Want to thank everyone for having us tuned in. And, of course, you can tune in and lock in to our Sound of Mobile app. That's a free downloadable app to any Android or Apple device that you may have. You can correspond with us on that app, whether it's here on the final drive or the opening kickoff or the Pigskin Pete scoreboard show, we love to hear from you. You can always call us the old-fashioned way. Also, 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us. And Major League Baseball here is the hunt for what they call Red October. And, you know, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, well, we're about to turn that page. And the 2023 Major League Baseball playoff pitcher and standings are becoming a lot more clearer here. Lindsey Crosby, host of Locked On Farm and baseball writer for the Auburn Daily and Braves today, joins us on the final drive. Lindsey, how's it going, my friend? Corey, I'm doing great. This is going to be a fantastic final week of the season because there's so many matchups between teams who are fighting to get in the postseason. It's going to be great. Let's talk about the history-making, though, of one Ronald Acuna Jr. Historic season and for the Atlanta Braves doing things and hoisting second base over his head. Let everybody know why he was able to do that. Yeah, 40 home runs and 70 steals. This is not only... Uh, the only player to do this, but he's the only player to come remotely close to this. He's the fifth person in the 40-40 club, and every other person in that group has not had a home run number over 46 or a stolen base number over 43. He goes 40-70. And so it is by, like to some people, this is one of the greater seasons we've seen in modern baseball from a position player we're kind of throwing out Shohei Otani and what he does uh, but 4070 is if nothing else should be a lock for him to get the MVP simply because of how big of a role he's had with the success of the Atlanta Braves and he leads the league in so many categories not just steals but on base and total bases and runs and and plate appearances and hits and it's a magical season for Ronald Acuna. Well, what's great here is the Braves were also able to secure home field advantage throughout the entire playoffs. They have 102 wins, and I know that's something that they were trying to fend off those pesky Dodgers, but were able to do so. Yeah, and the way that Atlanta came back to win these last two games really had to make you feel good for the postseason if you're a Braves fan because they come back and rally late in the eighth inning on game one against the Cubs, and then they rally in the eighth, and then again in the tenth to win last night. And so Atlanta gets two straight wins over the Cubs. They have now locked down home field advantage. The path to the World Series runs through Truist Park, 
And with a win tonight or an Orioles loss, they'll have locked it up all the way through the World Series. Of course, assuming that they make it, but they are the favorites to make the World Series just based on how strong this offense has been. This great race in the American League West between the Rangers and Astros and Mariners has come right down to the stretch. You mentioned this being the last week here of play. There have been seven teams that have secured and claimed their spots, and eight teams are still in the hunt for the final five spaces in postseason play. Yeah, what what makes the wild card so tough in both leagues is that you expanded it to give a third wild card team. And so right now, the Texas Rangers are leading the West at 89 and 69. The Houston Astros are 87 and 72. They're in the final wild card spot. And the Seattle Mariners are right behind that at 85 and 73. And the best part is the way the schedule worked out, they're all playing each other. And so it's been a fantastic week. Texas and Seattle match up again tonight. It's been, uh, uh, you know, like, just back and forth when the, when the week started, Seattle was in the lead for that final spot. Houston had a losing streak. They came back and now they're in the third wild card spot. We're not going to get a lot of resolution on this until probably Sunday. And what MLB has done is they have everybody playing at the exact same time on Sunday. So you have to play through your final game because you don't know if the teams that you need to lose have lost or not. But it's going to be a great weekend to figure not only that out, but also the National League wildcard race as well, because it's also incredibly tight. Well, that's what you want down the stretch are these tight races. And when you see the preseason predictions or the teams that made the playoffs last year, when you talk about the Mets and the Cardinals and the Padres and the Yankees, disappointing seasons to say the least, especially for the Mets and the Yankees. And them having spent so much money and then to not only not be in the postseason, but to be eliminated when September opened is definitely something that we've not seen in a long time. And so looking at the American League East, for instance, you know, the, the, the Yankees have been one of the worst teams in the division, and they are just a few games away from finishing with a losing record for the first time in forever. And right behind them is Boston. It, we're just not used to seeing Baltimore on top with Tampa Bay and Toronto all in the postseason and those two teams at the bottom. Collectively, those two teams spent the most money in free agency. And what do they have to show for it? They're going to be sitting at home in October. And in the Mets case, they not only are sitting at home in October, but they tried to unload some of those contracts and lose to get a good draft pick, and they, they didn't do it. They were unsuccessful with it. And so it's been nothing but a season of failure for the New York baseball teams, which is really weird to say. Now, we've talked about Josh Donaldson jumping on board with the Brewers and the Brewers having an opportunity to go ahead and clinch Central Division in the National League. I know that's something that Milwaukee says they want to pop corks at least four more times. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's something right now where they've uh, 89 and 69. They're, they're playing versus St. Louis right now. And this is probably the best-case scenario for them because the way that the, the postseason is going to set up, they're going to play whoever is last place in the wild card race. And that team, whoever it is, is going to have had to have fought 
all week. If you're the Cubs, if you're the Marlins, if you're the Cincinnati Reds, your postseason started a week and a half ago. And so Milwaukee has to feel good about whoever that they get in that first-round matchup is going to be somebody who is probably emotionally drained. They've, they've thrown all their guys. They've pushed as hard as they could just to get there. And now you have to face a rested Milwaukee team and that rotation uh, to, to start the postseason. It's not a recipe for success. And then if Milwaukee advances, they have to like the fact that they don't have to play Atlanta. They'll get to, uh, to not have to face the Braves. They'll face instead the Dodgers if they advance. And so Milwaukee's kind of a dark horse to have a good setup going into the postseason. Let's talk about Terry Francona and his retirement and what his career has meant in Major League Baseball. Yeah, he is uh, no doubt a Hall of Fame coach right now. Something where, you know, he's, he's stepping down for health issues, not because the game's passed him by, uh, but just something where you see how he's, he's won two World Series. He's been a three-time manager of the year. Uh, Terry Francona is, a, is one of the better respected managers in all of baseball. And yes, this Guardians team didn't have the success in, in his final season that he wanted, but it's also not necessarily because of him. It's not anything that he did. Uh, it, it's been a lot of injuries, a lot of ineffectiveness, and a lack of power hitting. The top five in the Braves lineup have more home runs than the entire Guardians uh, uh, starting nine. But Terry Francona is, is a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame, and you're really kind of losing one of the elder statesmen of baseball. Like It's, it's Terry Francona, it's Dusty Baker, and it's Brian Snicker, and you take you take Terry Francona out, baseball's not as good because they lost him. So um, hopefully everything's going to go well for him. Hopefully he'll have his health and be able to be around the game for a while. But his last games will come this weekend, and he's he's coached his last game in Cleveland because they are on the road. Postseason prediction time for you now, Lindsay. If you had to to look in the postseason, what are you what are you looking for from not only a divisional standpoint, a wild court standpoint, but ultimately who's going to face one another in the World Series? I have the World Series as the Atlanta Braves versus the Texas Rangers, something where I, I'm not a believer in Baltimore's pitching. They have a fantastic uh, young position player core, but they've gone through so many injuries and ineffectiveness in that rotation, and everybody has blown past their innings limits. So I know they have the best record in the American League, but I've got the Texas Rangers making their way to the World Series and dropping it in five games to the Atlanta Braves. There you go, Rangers and Braves prediction right there by Lindsey Crosby. Lindsey, if people want to follow all of your continued great coverage of not only minor league baseball, but continuing over to the Atlanta Braves and Major League Baseball, Auburn baseball as well. How can people do all that? Thanks for asking, Corey. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. That's the hub for everything. If it's the college baseball, AuburnDaily.com. If it's the minor league baseball, the podcast is Locked on MLB Prospects, wherever you get your podcast. And if it's major league baseball, it's BravesToday.com. Can't thank you enough, Lindsay, for taking time out of your schedule to join us. And we look forward to talking to you next week as we do turn the page and begin a red hot October. Thanks for having me, Corey. Lindsey Crosby joining us this afternoon here 
on the final drive. And when we come back, we'll talk to Misty Nims. She is the new cross-country coach. Yeah, cross-country, collegiately, coastal Alabama style. We'll catch up with her and see how things are going and how you can also qualify for one of those cross-country scholarships that are available at Coastal Alabama. Misty Nims coming up next here on The Final Drive. Hey, this is Julian Zeus McClurkin with the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and my favorite station is WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive. It's time now to talk to Misty Nims. She is Bruton's cross-country coach, and that's Coastal Alabama, Bruton. The first season ever that cross-country has been offered, and so far they have already participated in three events. Men and women's are available cross-country. It's that time of year to where, yeah, it can be 100 degrees outside, but when you have an opportunity to run cross country, you know that you're going to be running through different elements, whether it be hot, cold, rain, does not matter. That's what separates and makes and elevates you to be able to get a cross country scholarship, that type of endurance and Misty Nims joining us this afternoon. How's it going, coach? It is going great. How are you? I'm absolutely too blessed to be stressed and extremely excited to see cross country getting started up at Coastal Alabama Bruton first season for the men and women Coyotes getting an opportunity to showcase those skills in three events so far this year. Yes, sir. We have. It's been a great turnout so far. Um, like you said, we have competed in three meets. We started out in Oxford, Alabama um, at Chuckalaka Park, a great um, ground facility. We got to compete against 30 different teams. Um, we did pretty well. We finished 18 out of 30, but Auburn University finished first. So we're in a unique and you know environment in which we do get to compete against all levels um, as we are focusing on regionals. So it was a good turnout for our team on that first race. A little nerves, but that's okay. Anytime you get anything started from scratch, Coach, it, it's always an accomplishment because with the growth and the rebranding of Coastal Alabama Community College, Coastal Alabama Bruton, you guys have scholarships that are available for men and women to where on the Bruton campus, housing and meal plans are available. And I know you're currently looking for student athletes to meet the academic and eligibility requirements to run cross country to continue to grow this program. Oh yes, yes. We um currently we're definitely in need of female runners. We have three offers out right now and we are looking to bring in uh three to four more girls. Um we're looking for times under twenty one minutes in that five K. Like you said, we do have scholarships available that covers books, tuition, and fees. Uh, in Bruton, we do have housing 
Um, we also started a meal ticket this fall, and those two fees would definitely be responsible of the um, student-athlete to pay for, but we are definitely looking for some female runners who want to come in and start a great tradition. Uh, we also are still possibly looking for some male runners for the 24 class. Uh, we have currently do have all our offers out for the men's side, but again, you know, things could fall through, but we are starting our list for sure for those 25 um, graduates. So we're excited to get this program started from the ground up. Um, making some history, starting out a brand-new program, and looking forward to our definitely our next meet um, in two weeks at UAH. Alabama-Huntsville will be the next meet that you guys do participate in. That will be your fourth meet of the season. Misty Nims, she is a new coach for a new program at Coastal Alabama, Coastal Alabama Community College now implementing cross-country. So if you know someone in high school or that formerly ran and still has eligibility in them, you want to make sure that you reach out to Coastal Alabama Community College. And Misty Nims, how can people, Coach Nims, how can people reach out to you if they have a son, a daughter, or a relative that used to run cross-country or still has the athletic endurance to do so? Oh, yes. Um, they can reach me at my coastal email account at misty.nims at coastalabama.edu. Um, if you get on our website, you can find that information. You can also call my office number at 251-809-1632. Um, leave me a message, and I'll definitely get back in touch with you. Um, we'll be out at a couple of these high school meets throughout the rest of the fall. So you might see me out handing out some flyers. So look out. Coach, repeat that number one more time for those who may have not got a pen or pencil quick enough. Go ahead and give them your email information and that telephone number one more time. Yes, that email address is my first name, Misty.Nims. That's at coastalalabama.edu. That telephone number is 251-809-1632. Brand new cross-country program being established at Coastal Alabama and head coach Misty Nims joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Coach, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us. Want to wish you guys the best in your upcoming meets. And if you need a scholarship, folks, men or women that are still athletically and have some endurance in them it wouldn't hurt you to have your meals your education paid for by earning that athletic scholarship no better place to do that than at coastal alabama community college thank you so much coach thank you thanks for having us also, Coastal Alabama Community College softball program in conjunction with the University of Charleston have their showcase October the 8th. Camp will be held at Coastal Alabama Community College in Bay Manette from 8 to 4. Athletes grades 8 through 12 will enjoy direct instruction on drills, two live games, followed by a tour of the campus, and that is October the 8th at Coastal Alabama Community College in Bay Manette, their softball showcase October 8th. Don't want to miss that opportunity to be a part of that as well. The final drive will be right back. DJ Shockley 
former University of Georgia quarterback, all SEC, had a chance to play in the NFL for Nick Wiggins Falcons. We'll be catching up with DJ Shockley to give us a preview on Georgia and Auburn coming up next here on The Final Drive. Hey, this is Buckets Blakes from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and you're listening to WNSP in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this Thursday afternoon. And as we get closer and closer to Saturday's 2.30 kickoff between Auburn and Georgia, Deep South's oldest rivalry, we talked to Ronnie Brown earlier in the week and had an opportunity to meet DJ Shockley at SEC Media Days earlier this year. And I know when we were talking at the SEC dinner, we, we came across a couple of the same people that we knew. But DJ Shockley, no stranger to the Georgia-Auburn matchup that we'll be witnessing. And DJ's been on the winning side of a couple of national championships that the Bulldogs have won the last couple of years, being right there in the midst of it on the sidelines. We welcome in DJ Shockley to the final drive. How's it going, DJ? Corey, Nick, appreciate you guys uh, having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's been fun the last couple of years to be a part of uh, Kirby's building and being part of some national championship. Had a bunch of battles against my man Ronnie Brown uh, with our times uh, with Georgia and Auburn. So uh, it's cool to uh, better talk this game and uh, better talk about uh, what's going to happen on Saturday. Well, I know that you were able to claim the 2005 SEC championship title and also be that MVP, and that's really the pinnacle of – a conference career is being a champion and them the MVP. But when you look at this game that's being played in September, um, and does it really feel different, get a different vibe than when it really was in late November, a couple of weeks before the Iron Bowl, which Auburn would prepare for? Oh, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, it was the same thing for Georgia. I mean, when you had it late in the year, I remember when I was there, this game really was the determinant factor if you went to Atlanta or not. And I think, obviously, playing it so much, playing it so early in the year, it has a different feel to it. But obviously, when you get inside, you know, Jordan Harry, you get inside of Sanford Stadium, it still feels the same, but it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like that late November, you know, late fall, it's kind of cool, kind of brisk, and it's always a, you know, a late ball game. And, you know, usually that game determines – going to play an SEC championship, usually for either side, for Georgia Auburn. And obviously Auburn still has the big game against you know Alabama, but it's always one of those games that comes down to the end. It's always a tough, hard-fought game. But not having it in November, it's going to feel a little weird. But I know once we get inside that stadium, uh, that crowd's going to get rocking, and it won't be any different playing at the end of September as it is in, in the November. The opening line for this matchup was having Georgia as a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Were you shocked by that? Some people are thinking that's a really low number. You know what? I, I, think it just, I think it just depends on how you look at both teams. And I think you look at how both teams have played through, you know, the first three or four games of the season. Um, even, you know, Georgia a few weeks ago played South Carolina and the spread was 27 and Georgia ended up winning by 10. So I think, you know, a lot of people look at maybe 
Georgia offensively is not as strong as they used to be in the past. And Auburn still, you know, regardless of what you say about their offense, their defense still is still pretty good. You're on the road. It's a rivalry game. So I think all that kind of stuff plays into it. Uh, but, you, you, to be honest, you never know until you get onto the field and know what happens and who makes plays, who doesn't. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think because of how – rich of a tradition of a game this is and it being on the road had something to play with uh, why it was you know, just a 14-point uh, favorite. We're speaking with DJ Shockley, former SEC champion for the Georgia Bulldogs, also the most valuable player in the 2005 SEC championship game. And now DJ working for Fox 5 Atlanta as the sports director there, so getting a chance to look at it through a different lens, so to speak. And I know that Carson Beck, there's a lot of pressure on him incoming for a very successful Stetson Bennett and his tenure there. You know, people talked about Stetson Bennett not having the measurables as that type of quarterback, but all he did was win back-to-back national champions. Carson, so far this season, he's held up to the test, even though South Carolina gives them that scare. They probably don't put UAB away the way that they would like to. He's still getting it done and is still undefeated. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that's what it all comes down to is can you win ball games? Can you show that you can manufacture points? Can you take care of the ball? And I think that's a big part of what Kirby Smart wants out of his quarterback. And he did the same thing with Stetson, you know, in that first run to the national championship. It was kind of a, hey, don't do anything to hurt us. Let our defense play. Keep us in the ball game and make plays when they're there. And I think right now in the early stages, that's what it's been for Carson. But they kind of let him go a little bit here in the last couple of ball games as far as stretching the field, uh, you know, being more explosive on the offensive side. And, you know, Carson has a lot of responsibility at the line of scrimmage when it comes to, you know, getting them out of bad plays or going from one run to another. And then there's always the, the big part of taking care of the football. He's got one interception on the season. Uh, he's completing 72% of his passes, got over, you know, almost 1,200 yards in four games. So uh, I would say he's doing he's doing pretty well. He had his first 300-yard game last week through for 337 versus UAB. So he's doing everything he needs to do to get this team playing at a high level and on, you know, the trajectory that everybody wants him to, which is ultimately, you know, another run at another national championship. So Carson, he's learning on the job. But I think the biggest question is this weekend, man. Georgia's had four straight games at home, and this would be the first time that the dogs go on the road. It would be the first time that Carson Beck gets to go into an environment uh, like it is there at, at Auburn and, and play on the road and, and see how you know he'll perform in that kind of adverse atmosphere. But I think he'll be fine, man. He's a guy who's been around four years. Uh, he's, he's been to Auburn before, but not as the starter. So it's going to be interesting to see how he actually, you know, shakes out this weekend and how he plays in that in that hostile place that uh, I've been to a bunch of times. It's always good when you have a type of wide receiver slash tight end. I don't even count uh, categorize him as a tight end, <laughs> Brock Bowers. I mean, he's just that dude to where he's transcending his position collegiately. But when you do have people like that to throw to and Dejon Edwards starting to get things heated up, running the football, Georgia. If you to me, they want to be a smash mouth run at you hard first. And if you allow them to pass, they'll take what they give you. But to really dominate the line of scrimmage offensive line wise, that's been the mark so far to me of this Georgia football program. 
Oh, no doubt about it. And that's who Kirby Smart is. He wants to be the most physical team that steps onto the field. And, you know, since he got there from day one, he said, I want to be bigger. I want to be stronger. I want to be faster than everybody we play. And, you know, obviously that comes from, you know, the saving tree of just being the most physical team on both lines of scrimmage. And you guys know it like I do. Inside the SEC, man, uh, yeah, you got a lot of talented players on the outside, a lot of talented skill guys, but the games are won at the line of scrimmage. The team who can move the other team, a guy who can be more physical in the run game, who can, you know, change the line of scrimmage on defense and get sacks, get pressures, you know, hold teams to negative yardage plays or, you know, being really good in the run game. That's where, you know, a lot of games are won. I think at the end of the day, Kirby has done a good job of adapting to the landscape of college football where you need to be able to throw the football, you need to go four or five wides and, you know, stretch it out. But then there's also times in the game where they know you're going to run it and you got to be able to run it. And I think that's ultimately who Kirby Smart will always be is, yeah, we're going to be able to throw it. We're going to have QBs with big arms and a lot of skill position guys. But at the end of the day, I want to be able to turn it around and give it to our backs and, and put the game on our offensive line. And that's something that he has lived by, uh, especially since the first day he got to Georgia, about, hey, I want to be a physical run first team. And then everything else kind of predicates itself off that. In preseason, people were saying that Georgia had the cupcake schedule. They didn't have any tough opponents. Then here we are, and Georgia's played some pretty tough games already up to this point, South Carolina being one of them. Do you think that Georgia is kind of just sleepwalking through the regular season because they're just ready to go for that three-peat? Or do you think that they're still working out kinks to be able to be another national championship contending team? Like, I'll be honest, man. I get a chance to be in the locker room and be around this team, um, you know, before games, practice, you know, after games, and there will never be any complacency by this team because their coach and Kirby Smart completely drills it into their brain before games, at halftime, after games. He is constantly stressing. You have to focus on the here and now. And if you're worried about anything down the road, then you won't be playing. And he is adamant about making sure they're focused on whoever the opponent is and getting their job done. So there's no outside noise that they're even contemplating or thinking about. And if you try to bring up 3-3 to Kirby Smart, it will not be fun. It would not be a good conversation because his mindset is on week to week. So I guarantee you, yeah, everybody else talked about it on the outside, but this is a team that is taking it game by game. And it's the cliche term, but it's the term that he uses every single week with his ball club is we have to focus on the here and now and being better for our team because if we don't do take care of the now, guess what? The playoffs – you know, SEC championship, all that stuff won't matter because you didn't take care of what's most important, which is today or this game or this team. So they always focus on it, man, and I guarantee you that's not even a conversation right now is can we go in three-peat. That's right, man. Look, I, I saw that halftime speech at, at the uh, South Carolina game. One more moment, one more moment, one <laughs> no moment. Doubt. Guy had me ready to build up a brick wall and then run through it and then build it up again. No doubt. DJ Shockley, our guest this afternoon on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. DJ is now the Fox 5 Atlanta Sports Director, the dog sideline analyst, getting up close and personal with the back-to-back -back national champions, getting that insight as to why that mentality that Kirby Smart has had has led to as many wins as it has, maybe to another undefeated 
third national championship in a row. DJ, when you think back about the Deep South's oldest rivalry against Auburn, I know the first game that pops in my head is the Prairie Jordan Hare, okay? I don't think there's a fan alive who witnessed that game will ever forget that being one of the top probably five moments in college football history, especially seeing what it meant for Auburn and the special moment that they had a couple of weeks later as well. When you think about the game, yep. whether it's in Athens or in Jordan-Hare, what is your most memorable Auburn-Georgia moment? Yeah, Cole, you're right, man. That one and the kick six, obviously, and not even being a guy who's, you know, went to Auburn and got a bunch of friends that went there. That's something that you kind of just never forget. Those are two monumental plays for sure that were just – that just it just rings loud for college football. That it's hard to forget those crazy plays. Um, but I, you know, I, I think uh, the most memorable one for me. I think it has to go back to when we played there, and I think it's 2002 or 2003, one of the years. And Michael Johnson catches one in that back left end zone, and it's the first year that you know we win that ball game, and then it propels us into the SEC championship game, and we end up being Arkansas that year. And ultimately, that win in that environment where it looked really bleak, and uh, I think we hadn't won in Auburn in a long time, and the fact we got that win propelled us to our first SEC championship in you know almost 20 years. So it was big to have that opportunity. It was big to be there. But I just remember how loud and raucous it was, and it was always one of those games that you love to be a part of. But that is definitely a memory that sticks out for me for you know years on the road. That that was the one that got it started for us, and then obviously a couple. Of Years later, we end up getting another one. Absolutely. DJ Shockley, our guest, and he gives us that great insight what it means to be a Georgia Bulldog in this Auburn versus Georgia rivalry. Now, when you left Georgia, you still had an opportunity to kind of stay close to home. And Nick Wiggins is the biggest Atlanta Falcons fan that you'll find here in Mobile, Alabama. And his Falcons like was not too happy with their performance there in week number three, was thrilled that they were able to come back and handle the Packers. But moving forward, Atlanta – and Jacksonville, Jacksonville coming off a tough loss here or uh, yeah. to, to to a team that they were favored to win against in the Titans uh, or Texans, rather, the Atlanta. How, how are you and Nick going to get along there with their win this week? You think they're going to be able to beat Jacksonville? Hey, man, I, I think so. And I love the fact that Nick's holding it down for all the Atlanta people in, uh, That's right. down, down there in Alabama. So I appreciate that, Nick. But, uh, yeah, man, I think it's going to be a good ball game. Obviously, uh, Jacksonville has a lot of ties to the Georgia area with Trevor Lawrence, who, you know, played at Cartersville here in Georgia. Uh, Trayvon Walker, who went number one overall, played for the Dogs. Uh, Foyer Lewicon, the top tackler, played in, for the Falcons for a bunch of years. And, obviously, probably the biggest name of them all is Calvin Ritter who obviously played for the Falcons for a while. You guys know Calvin pretty well from his times there in Alabama. Uh, but this is going to be a fun game to watch, man. Like, like you mentioned, both teams coming off losses that they weren't really proud of. Same here for Atlanta fans, man. It wasn't pleasant this week, you know, talking to that bunch about, you know, what happened and how they were dominated offensively, didn't play well. So I think both teams, man, to come out and have a great game plan and kind of, you know, get back onto the, the winning trails uh, they had in the previous weeks because they got to get that sour taste out of their mouth. So I expect a really good ball game, man, and expect it to, you know, like most NFL games, come down to the wire internationally too so it gets that early start on espn plus so those who want to wake up 
really not even to a brunch on well, Sunday morning. You're going to be getting and, that breakfast. And they got in. the Toy Story Disney Plus broadcast <laughs> too. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, a lot of options there to see. Um, little little Bijan Robinson yeah. running by Woody and Buzz. You know, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Nick Wiggins, the big diehard Atlanta Falcons fan he is, will wake up at any time to watch the Atlanta Falcons. And, DJ, if you had to kind of put a prediction on this Auburn-Georgia game, Ronnie Brown says, look, Auburn's offense has to step up to the plate, and if they're able to play off of the energy and the excitement, the longer they're able to stay around, Ronnie feels that, if Georgia lets Auburn stick around, the crowd's going to make a bigger difference in this game than most expected. Any predictions for yourself, Georgia and Auburn? Yeah, no doubt, man. I, I think Ronnie makes a good uh, point, man. I mean, obviously, when you play at home, you play in front of that environment. I've been in front of them a bunch of times. They can absolutely make a difference and make guys play a little bit better than, you know, usually their talent may, may, may come across. Now, this is a, like I said, it's still a rivalry game. Hugh Freeze is trying to get, you know, that Auburn program up and running. And what better than being able to go out and play against a team like Georgia and, and really put, you know, your best foot forward. But I, I still think Georgia is, you know, kind of light years ahead of, uh, not light years, but I don't say that they're just talented wise, just a little bit better than Auburn right now. Hugh Freeze is trying to get that roster together, trying to get it into shape they wanted to. And obviously, when you play against a, a, a Georgia team and a Georgia defense, when you throw it for 56 yards, that's going to be hard to beat a team like Georgia who, uh, you know, prides itself on not giving up many points or yards. So uh, he's right. Offense has to play better. But I just think right now Georgia defensively and on the offensive side of the ball just have so many weapons. They're going to be hard to stop. It's rinse, wash, and repeat for this Georgia defense, only giving up 87 rushing yards a game. And that's where Auburn is going to have to turn things up if they want to give themselves a chance and to spell Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne at that quarterback position. DJ Shockley, our guest here on the final drive. DJ, how can everyone follow all of your great coverage and your stories on Fox 5 Atlanta from a Falcon standpoint, from a Georgia Bulldog standpoint, from an Atlanta Braves standpoint, and also just yeah. follow you on X as well. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's it's been fun. Obviously, a lot of great things going on. Braves just freaking, you know, had a, had a big night last night. Ronda Cunha Jr. is just crushing. I mean, forty one home runs and you know seventy stolen bases is insane. He's in a whole another world of his own. Uh, but you can follow me at DJ Shockley three on the X, and then you know FoxFiveAtlanta.com for all our different stuff we have going on from Georgia Falcons, Braves. I mean. Georgia Tech, I mean, we, we, we cover it all here at Fox 5. DJ, look forward to hopefully catching up with you in December in Atlanta at the SEC Championship game and want to wish you the best and always appreciate your time. No doubt, man. Corey, Nick, appreciate y'all, man. DJ Shockley holding it down and, you know, Shockley being the 05 SEC Championship game MVP, Nick, it's always funny when you do hear Ronnie Brown talk about DJ and that relationship that they have being Georgia guys and Ronnie deciding to cross, go across the way and play for Auburn when he was talking about DJ earlier this week with this. But DJ Shockley, a phenomenal student of the game and now broadcasting for Fox 5 in Atlanta. So there you go, Nick, another dirty bird for you. 
Hey, man, can't get enough of them, man. You can't get enough of them. We got big things cooking over there in the 404. Well, we'll see if big things are going to be cooking Sunday morning across the pond as the Falcons take on the Jaguars. Don't forget, coming up at 5 o'clock, we have our Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. We'll be speaking with Stephen M. Smith and Jason Caldwell to keep us up to date on everything Alabama and Auburn. We'll put the finishing touches on the second hour of the final drive when we come right back. This is Mayor Sandy Stimson. You're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive. And look, you got to come out to the Stables Bar downtown to watch the Alabama-Mississippi State game with the WNSP guys. You can get an Alabama jersey courtesy of the vault at halftime. You can walk away with a free WNSP t-shirt. They got some great drink specials, $3 Sweetwater Lagers, $2.50 Miller Lights, $3 Bama Shots. They got that big patio area. They got the big projector screen. The bus will be out there so you can't miss it. Come out to the Stables Bar downtown Saturday night to watch Alabama versus Mississippi State. That's a late night game, 2.30, Georgia and Auburn. Charles Barkley asked about Georgia and Auburn and his disdain for Alabama. Charles Barkley chiming in on Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, all combined there. I mean, I hate Alabama. That's a little different animal. <laughs> I knew that answer. <laughs> you, 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 can, you can't have that much hate in your heart, number one. Uh, and I really don't hate Alabama. I just want to beat them. I hate their fans because they're obnoxious. Because, um, you know, you know, they lost two games last year, and it was like, oh, kill us now. That's the end of the world. <laughs> and, you know, and then after they lost to, to, to Texas, it was like, oh my God, we got you got the greatest coach ever, and they but they're a bunch of ungrateful brats, you know. And that's the only thing I hate about Alabama. Because listen, Alabama's a great program. I got a lot of friends who played there. You know how much love and respect I got for Coach Saban. But I just hate their fans because they're obnoxious uh, and 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 entitled. Do you hate? I'm with Chuck on this one, Chuck. A hundred percent. I get it, man. I get it. Entitled. I don't know about entitled, but I will say Y'all used ain't to entitled. winning. Entitled to what? We're fans. It's short for fanatical. So I, I think that when you win at the standard in which Alabama has won, yeah, that does make Alabama fans a little bit more spoiled than your average college football fan because Stephen Root can tell you better than anybody. Georgia's back-to-back national champions, and prior to them winning that first one, much less the second one, going back to 1982 or whatever it was, you have to wait that long just to come close to winning another national championship. But got to love Charles Barkley. And whether you are a fanatical Alabama fan or a fanatical Auburn fan, it really what juices up the Iron Bowl too. Uh, And Chuck never at a loss for words, always loves to to poke the bear, so to speak. But he he gives – 
gives respect where respects due. Y'all Alabama fans are a different level, man. We're winners. We're used to winning, brother. We're used to winning. This Nick Saban era, a lot of people in their lifetime didn't think they would see it again in dealing with Bear Bryant, but have seen it again with Nick Saban. So, look, uh, national championships consistently will continue to to make you a little bit spoiled. Y'all just need to be humbled, man. Well, I think we were humbled last year, and uh, I think Texas still, humbled them this year as well. Uh, so, y'all still pumping with y'all's chest H. a little too proudly. Well, I tell you what, one week at a time. That's all I'm going to tell right. you. One Nick moment, Williams. one moment. One, one moment, as Kirby Smart would say. Stephen M. Smith joining us. Touchdown Alabama Magazine starting hour number three. Gulf Coast Auto Tech, Tide and Tiger Report coming up. This is the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report on 105.5 FM WNSP. An hour of the latest news and reports from the Plains and the Capstone with Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins. Brought to you by State Farm Agent Heath Parker. Streaming live on the Sound of Mobile app. Here are Corey and Nick. Welcome to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this Thursday afternoon. And we want to thank everyone for tuning in to WNSP 105.5. If you have not downloaded the free Sound of Mobile app, Make sure you download that app to any Android or Apple device that you may have so you can correspond with us in the app. And we're getting ready for Alabama to take on Mississippi State this weekend. And who better to talk the Crimson Tide than Stephen M. Smith, senior reporter for Alabama football and Touchdown Alabama magazine and also host of In My Own Words, TDA. And Stephen, welcome to this afternoon show. Appreciate you guys having me, Corey. It's going to be a, it's going to be fun, man. You, you got Bama, Mississippi State this weekend, coming off a win against Ole Miss, where the second half it looks like old vintage Bama is still there. And that's a good thing when you start talking about old vintage Bama in the second half. You saw the type of performance that you wanted to see. I know Jalen Milrow talked earlier this week about what he learned from Bryce Young and the patience and the poise and just the growth that he's had as a quarterback. And I think that we have to consider that this is really only his fifth collegiate career start. And so he's still learning on the job, so to say. So I do think that Jalen Milrow is going to continue to do a much better job as he continues to grow in this Crimson Tide offense. Oh, absolutely, Corey. And, and I felt like the one thing we saw from him against Ole Miss, he, 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 there was growth there in the sense of Milrow showed I can hang in the pocket, I can manipulate the pocket, I can take some hits but then still give my guys a chance to make plays. We saw this with the throw to Jermaine Burton. Of course, the 33-yard touchdown pass to Jalen Hale, the freshman, where, you know, Milrow really took a shot, was down on the field for about 30 seconds, but popped back up, you know, ignited the energy of the crowd, ignited his teammates, showed the guys, hey, this is my group, I got your back right here. So uh, he's showing you that, you know, he can – maneuver, manipulate the pocket, and make those types of throws, even when taking hits. So there was some growth there. 
Well, you have to see growth in the offensive line, too. And I know injuries and repositioning this week have been a, a subject or a topic that's been talked about in Tuscaloosa. I don't think Alabama has found that continuity and that chemistry totally on that offensive line, but I know there was some restructuring and reshuffling in that old Miss game that occurred. It was, and I thought this is an offensive line that's kind of starting to find itself. I mean, it's not fully at peak yet, but you're starting to see some pieces come into motion. I feel like with Terrence Ferguson, when he's in there with that offensive line, it has more of an identity up front. You got to work at Elijah Pritchett a little bit more. I know the team likes what Caden Proctor can do, the potential that he has, the young freshman from Iowa. But you got to work in more guys along this front. But you go back to the old Miss game, you saw Tyler Booker pancaking guys. You saw J.C. Latham doing his thing out there. We saw Seth McLaughlin get a bit better there with the snap of the ball. And with all of that being said, Jace McClellan has his first 100-yard performance of the season with 105 yards rushing, one touchdown off 17 carries. So even though the offensive line, it hasn't quite hit the stride yet. But Eric Wolford, this group, started to find itself a bit there against Ole Miss with saying we can run block, we can mow guys down. We know how good we are. It's just now time to play up to how good we are. Not only that, also reason for concern on the defensive side of the football. Deontay Lawson right here from Mobile Christian and Mobile, Alabama, day-to-day -day coming out of that game. And Coach Saban said, look, probably there will be questionable for the game. And it presents other opportunities for other linebackers to come make plays as they did one week ago when Deontay went down with that injury. Well, Corey, if D-Law cannot go against Mississippi State, of course, uh, the young man, redshirt sophomore, uh, did not practice Monday. Uh, Saban mentioned Wednesday that loss did not go at all on yesterday as well. Uh, this could be a situation where hopefully today and the team walkthrough and Friday and walkthrough, maybe he can do some things there that would put him in more of a better situation to play on Saturday. But if that's not the case, then you're looking at Jahad Campbell, former five-star from New Jersey, would take over at that weak side backer spot replacing Lawson. But, of course, behind Jahad Campbell, you do have Justin Jefferson, Sean Murphy, another former five-star, even Ian Jackson from the Prattville area as well. So Alabama does have depth there at that position, but we all know your starters are your starters for a reason. And Deontay Lawson has earned that right by the way he's played, by the way he's progressed, how he's been able to call the defense and then you know, get himself in order to make plays as well. So as much as we would like to see Dean all out there, once again we'll see how he looks to walk through today and Friday to better position himself. But in the event that he cannot go, the immediate next man up is Jihad Campbell. Focusing on this game this Saturday night against Mississippi State, you know, there was some – talk about them going from an air raid heavy offense to maybe now being more run heavy they go and they get blown out by LSU then last week they're in a tight game with South Carolina and it looks like they flipped it back because Will Rogers throws for almost 500 yards in a close game there what do you see this matchup looking like for Alabama is this a potential opportunity for them to get back to being dominant and maybe winning in the same fashion that LSU did 
I think so. I, I think so for, for the Crimson Tide in this match. But I think the main thing is for Alabama is matching the intensity that State has. Yes, Mississippi State does not have the personnel all the way to go ground and pound. They have more air raid personnel coming over from you know, Mike Leach and God rest his soul, the tragic past of Mike Leach that took place about a year ago. But Zach Arnett has come in and he's done his best to kind of restructure the identity of the team. The Bulldogs are two and two. Uh, the main thing is State always plays Alabama hard. And they've played them that way since Saban came into Tuscaloosa in 2007. And even though, you know, State may not, you know, win the game, they love to wear you down. They love to be physical with you to where if they can't beat you, then the next team on your schedule has a chance to beat you because State wore you down the week prior. And for Alabama, the very next team on the, on the schedule is Texas A&M. And you got to go down to the Cal field. But you can't overlook the Bulldogs here in Starkville this weekend. So for Alabama, it's you go down there, you match the intensity, you come out the gate early, you come out the gate firing offensively and defensively, but then also hopefully there are no injuries taking place here in this game as well. Stephen M. Smith, senior reporter for Alabama football, Touchdown Alabama magazine, and that's a great great opportunity for you to learn more about the Crimson Tide and if you're not following Stephen M. Smith what are you waiting for at Coaching M. Smith on Twitter slash X is how you can get his day-to-day Crimson Tide updates and reports and Alabama a 14 and a half point favorite according to Vegas but I will say this one of the things to me that really stood out and since the Texas game has been this Alabama Crimson Tide defense and the ability to limit Ole Miss to three out of 14 third down conversions and getting off the field on what is money down and also being able to get to Jackson Dart five times and create those quarterback sacks, I think that that's huge also. And, and, and Corey, the defensive line, Give that group uh, credit. Freddie Roach had that group ready to play. And we've been wanting to see this defensive line, the interior guys up front, pressure the pocket, hit the pocket, make things uncomfortable for the opposing team's quarterback, and free up Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, and these linebackers to fly around and make those plays. And Tim Keenan, the young man from Birmingham, he had three quarterback hurry, three quarterback pressures throughout the game, flushing Jackson Dart out of the pocket. And then Tim Smith, a former five-star from Florida in the 2020 class, we've been waiting on him to kind of emerge as that big-time playmaker. And finally, against Ole Miss, Tim Smith, one-and-a-half sacks, one-and-a-half tackles for lost, involved in the backfield, making things happen in the old Miss backfield, whether it's sacks, whether it's hitting the running back for a loss of yardage. So the defensive line under Freddie Roach for the first time this season really came to play, and that played a role in Dallas Turner having two-and-a-half sacks. Chris Braswell getting involved. And then the secondary played well. It all starts with that defensive line. Freddie Roach had those young men ready to get after it. Nick Saban said that playing against Mississippi State would be a tougher test for his team than playing against Ole Miss. Was that genuine, or was he just kind of messing with Lane Kiffin there? I think I, I 
think it's a little bit of both, but I think it's more so genuine just due to State always has a physical defensive front. They've always been that way. It's not all the four and five stars, a lot of three stars on that front, but State's got some guys that want to get after you up front. So this is a big challenge for the Alabama offensive line in terms of the run game and pass protection because State's going to use a lot of different PE stunts, a lot of different uh, swim rush move stunts whether it with the defensive ends or defensive tackles. So it's genuine because Saban knows ever since I got to Tuscaloosa, Mississippi State, whether it's been us going to Starkville or them coming to Tuscaloosa, they give us a tough, grimy, gritty football game. And I don't see any difference here, even though Zach Arnett is the head coach is trying to build a different culture where that program is concerned. Stephen M. Smith, senior reporter for Alabama football on Touchdown Alabama magazine. And, Stephen, the receiving room might have got that breakout wide receiver, Jalen Hale, a young man who we have not heard a lot about, only comes in with three receptions after this game, but one of those was for a touchdown. And I know that the more weapons that you can have, I'm looking for Ja'Cory Brooks to come back because to me he's kind of been MIA a little bit and Jermaine Burton has had some explosive plays but talk about Jalen Hale I'm going to say this Corey and, and, and we, we've, we've seen this with Saban since 2008 with Julio Jones you know, Julio came in as a freshman uh, we've never seen anything like him before and then you bring in Amari Cooper in 2012 a 1,000 yard guy as a freshman Calvin Ridley, a 1,000-yard guy in 2015 as a freshman. So, Bama's always had that, 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 that freshman that just really kind of says, okay, now is my time, now is my moment. And so, here's Jalen Hale, who comes from Texas. The last Jalen at wide receiver that came from Texas to Alabama was Jalen Waddle. And we saw how explosive and entertaining and great he was. So, here comes Jalen Hale. From Longview High School in Texas, a three-sport athlete, played basketball, football, ran track, can play on the ground, can play in the air, very vertical speed, got very vertical as far as getting up and making contested catches. And the way he high points the football, incredible athlete right there. And I feel like he took the Ole Miss game to say, hey, people, I'm here. I'm here. Yes, I'm a freshman, but we all know Bama loves developing freshman wide receivers. I think moving forward, he's going to continue having that confidence with Milrow. Milrow's going to continue to kind of look at him and target him. But not just that, of the defensive backs on this team, uh, they talk about his work ethic and competing against those guys. Malachi Moore talked about, hey, ever since Hale came in in the summer, He's a different dude. Like, going up against that guy, he's a different kind of playmaker. Well, Alabama for back-to-back weeks has been able to have a 100-yard rusher. Roy Dale Williams against South Florida. Jace McClellan here this past week against Ole Miss. I know they would like to continue that trend of kind of showing that balance. And when your quarterback leads you in rushing, that's probably not by design. That's by okay, choice or decision of the quarterback. But when those backs, as McClellan and Williams, get revved up, I think that spells trouble for the defense. It spells trouble for opposing defenses. And then on top of that, you know, we're still waiting on, okay, do we see Jam Miller? 
Do we see Justice Haynes? Do we see Richard Young, which I believe we do and we will, say the mention that all the young guys are ready to contribute to this team. So when you got James McClellan having a hot hand, when you got Rodell Williams saying, hey, I can have a hot hand too, it's kind of hard giving up those reps because you don't want to take the ball out of the hot hand. So it's going to be fun to kind of see this thing open up to where running backs coach Robert Gillespie, head coach Nick Saban, as much as you want to get these young guys on the, on the field, how often do you take the ball out of the hands of a Jace McClellan who's hot or a Roydale Williams who's hot? Without question. And, Stephen, I want to get your prediction for the outcome of Saturday's game. It's a late kickoff in Starkville, so those cowbells definitely will be clanging all day and all night long. Does Alabama? What do you What do you feel like a, a a good score would be here for Nick Saban moving forward to next week? I would look at something like thirty eight seven. I look at thirty eight seven for, for for this one. I know Saban's going to want to get in there, get a quick start, and then uh, you know grind this thing out to the finish, control the the pace and the flow of the game. Uh, yes, the Cowbells will be in the full bloom out there, but I, I just look at State and trying to see what is their identity offensively. This is kind of the bad time of the year to kind of wonder what are you and stay still in that phase of what are we versus Alabama's coming out of that old Miss game. Alabama's kind of got a feeling of, okay, we kind of know what we are. We're still putting some pieces together, but it's starting to come open as to what we are. State hasn't clicked to that point just yet. So I look at 38-7. Look, I love that prediction there. That's the type of dominant SEC win you want before you go on to the road into College Station, and that would be huge for Alabama from a momentum standpoint. You said it earlier, just get out of this game healthy and with the win, and we'll see the Crimson Tide set up now with A&M having their quarterback out for the season. We'll see how that affects this SEC Western Division race for sure. But, Stephen, how can everyone, all our listeners, follow all of your tremendous cover coverage of everything Alabama? Well, they can follow that, guys, by going to touchdownalabama.com. That is touchdownalabama.com, as we are uh, covering the Crimson Tide from all angles, all facets, all, uh, all ways where we can get that done. That's touchdownalabama.com. And then they can follow me on Twitter, as you mentioned, Corey, at Coaching M. Smith there on Twitter, at Coaching M. Smith on Twitter slash X now. So you can get all of the tweets, all of the updates, all of the day-to-day stuff that Nick Saban and this team are, are putting together. Stephen, can't thank you enough for your time. Have safe travels this week, and roll tide roll. Roll tide to you, my man. Like I said, I got the earplugs ready, so I'll be able to hear myself in Stark Vegas. All right. Appreciate you. Stephen M. Smith joining us this afternoon on the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Hey, this is AJ McCarron, and you're listening to WNSD. Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Nick. Uh, last week, uh, Gene Smith, the uh, AD at Ohio State, went before the uh, Small Business Committee in the House and talking about guardrails for NIL, and he dropped a little nugget about 
uh, prospects wanting $5,000 to come just to make a visit. And I wondered if uh, you'd been approached by any prospects for things like that, and if so, how you'd handle that. Not that I know of. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know of anybody that has asked us, you know, for that. Um, but look, you know, name, image, and likeness is not really name, image, and likeness. I mean, I think we all understand what it's become and, and what we allowed it to become. And I said long ago and got very criticized for, is this what we want college football to become? So it's becoming what it's becoming, and, and that's okay. I mean, we'll just adapt and do what we have to do to be able to compete, uh, whatever the circumstances are. So um, do I think that it would be uh, judicious to have some guardrails on some things? Uh, I think you can figure that one out just as well as anybody else. Nick Saban said, look, we'll adapt and do what we have to do to be able to compete. And that necessarily does not mean that it's what Nick Saban would like to do, but what is ultimately college football and the NIL turned out to be. So there's a huge difference there in between the two. And Nick Saban does understand and realize what's going on. Taking a caller right now. Caller, welcome to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Hey, Corey, what's up? Hey, man, so I heard you talking about holding the money for those for the kids, and I don't totally disagree with you. The problem you're going to face is when the NCAA never did anything about NIL and it, and it got challenged in the court because there's, there's, there's no rule they can implement that would hold up legally in a court to not let those guys, because, I mean, they're adults. They're making the money. You can't. There's, I mean, there's nothing legally they can do. I mean, I understand the concept to protect those kids from spending all the money themselves, but there's, there's nothing that would hold up in court. It would get challenged, and get overturned, and you would never make that um, stand up. So, at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's going to only going to get worse. You're going to see it at the high school levels. You're going to start seeing these pipelines built from, uh, like you know, Louisiana. It's already uh, high school NIL is already legal, right? So, there's nothing to stop the LSU booster from giving. Brian Kelly, half a billion dollars. Hey, let's go to Fairland, get Ron Williams to play, transfer to New Orleans High School. Let's get him. Yeah, there's, there's nothing that stops Louisiana from doing that. That's why Saban's trying to get the Alabama senators and Congress people to make NIL legal in high school. And number and then, so for Nick about the spoiled Alabama fans, but hey, man, I understand the expectations for the Falcons. You're okay with just keeping it close. And that's okay to be like that. But if, you know, sometimes you can't stay on top forever. But it's lonely at the top, and we still ain't fell off the mountain totally. Yeah, that's right. I appreciate you calling in to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. And you're right. I mean, it, it does get lonely at the mountain sometimes. And, you, you know, you get up there for so long, sooner or later, you're going to decide to come down. Whether you're pushed, whether you slip, it took long enough for you to ascend to the top. And the thing is, you stayed up there for a long time. The higher up you get, the grander and more catastrophic and devastating the fall. I don't know about all that, Nick, but I will say it sure has been sweet during this Nick Saban era of Alabama football. Up next, we'll have Jason Caldwell covering the Auburn Tigers side of things. Joining us here on the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report.
Hi, this is Jake Peavy, MLB pitcher and Mobile, Alabama native. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Nick. The Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report coming your way here on WNSP 105.5. want to thank everyone for having us locked in, whether it's on the app or on the radio. If you have not downloaded that Sound of Mobile app, make sure you do so. It's a free download to any Apple or Android device that you may have to where you can correspond with us in the app. We'd love to hear from you and get your thoughts and ideas about what we're talking about, whether it's on the opening kickoff in the morning, the final drive, or the Pigskin Pete show, that Green and Phillips scoreboard that we run up until midnight on Friday nights, catching all the great talent that's playing football here along the Mobile Baldwin County area. And joining us now is Jason Caldwell, officially part of the 24-7 Sports Network and AuburnUndercover.com. Jason, how's it going, my friend? I'm good, Corey. How about you? Man, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And we had DJ Shockley on the show a little earlier this afternoon, and he was talking about some of his big-time Georgia-Auburn memories, and he was speaking on the prayer in Jordan-Hare. And it's kind of one of those things. I'm not a gambler, but the 14-and-a-half-point spread, not as large as I personally thought it would be, but I know this much you have an Auburn defense that gives them a prayer and a chance against this tough Georgia Bulldog team with a new quarterback in Carson Beck. Yeah, you know, I think it's it, it does give you an opportunity here. Your offense is going to have to give you some, some help because um, Georgia's, I mean, they're still really talented. It's a really physical football team. And so, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the key is going to be can, you, can your offense give you a little momentum early? And can you put some pressure on Carson Beck in his first road start away from home? Can you can you make them have to go out in the second half and play a game that's that's in the mix? I mean, we saw it last year when they went to Missouri. It hasn't happened many times, but it happened on the road last year with a veteran team. Um, this team isn't as experienced, and so can you can you make them play for four quarters? If you can do that, then if you're Auburn. Uh, Make a few plays on offense, you'll have a chance to be there at the end. But you can't play, can't make a bunch of mistakes and expect that for that to happen. I think the frustration has really boiled over a week ago when, especially in the second half, in the SEC, I don't know too many teams, whether you're a national champion or not, that are only going to complete six quarterback, six passes by their starting quarterback. And that's just something. It, it doesn't happen too much. And I know Peyton Thorne coming in, he was tabbed as that guy. And he's had a lot of experience at Michigan State. And Michigan State's not the SEC. But I think that Hugh Freeze, you know, he's taking credit. He's taking blame. And I look forward to talking to him on Monday when he's here in Mobile, Alabama, speaking in front of the C Spire First and Ten Club, that the quarterback situation, especially after this Saturday, has to find its way into a guaranteed week-in and week-out starter. Yeah, no, you you got to find some some consistency there. There's no question about that. And I think for Peyton Thorne, you look at it, you go, okay, 
what can you show and, and how quickly can you get it going on Saturday? Because um, I don't think if you're Auburn, you can't wait around and go, okay, well, you get another week or another two. You, you just you don't have time for that. you got Robbie Ashford. He's got experience. He's played there. Holden Garner, freshman. Uh, I think you, you got a little while on Saturday, and if it looks the same, then if you're Auburn, you go, okay, well, we gotta we got to do something different. And so um, that'll be something to watch for on Saturday is – can Peyton Thorne make a few plays? Can they find a little something in the passing game? If they don't, then how quickly do you move on? And when you move on this time, it's probably going to be for good. One of the interesting aspects is when you do look at the Deep South's oldest rivalry, Georgia has the edge on the Plains, 18, 12, and two ties. Uh, I, I know that the sold-out Jordan-Harris Stadium is going to be louder than ever, and I do know this, the longer Georgia lets Auburn stick around, the better chance Auburn has of pulling that upset. Yeah, no question. You look at it, if, like I said, if you can stay around and keep the crowd energized and in the game, then it puts more pressure on a guy like Carson Beck who hasn't played away from home. And so it energizes your 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 team. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be the thing. Can you can you keep this one a game to four quarters? If you can do that, then, then Auburn's gonna have, absolutely going to have a chance to win the game. What holes in Georgia's team and in their gameplay so far do you think Auburn's going to be able to capitalize to potentially keep this game close? Yeah, I think you're going to have some opportunities to make plays. I think Georgia, they're still really talented, but when you lose 19 players off defense to the NFL draft in three years, you're, you're going to have some, some issues on defense. I don't think their front's quite as good as it has been in the past. It's still pretty darn good, but it's not what it's been in the past few years, so you're Auburn, can you make a few plays in the passing game? Because I think there's going to be some opportunities to run the football. Um, so can you find enough of those to, to make something happen? And then the defensively, again, it's pressure. Can you pressure Carson back? Can you get after him and, and make him you know, try to, try to answer the bell? Uh, that's going to be the thing to watch. Jason, last week I did pick and predict Auburn to defeat Texas A&M. And then looking at halftime of that score, I thought that the defense did all it could do. And when you have that situation to cut it to 10 points where Jimbo Fisher's the, literally the 12th man making, I thought he was going to make a tackle there. But I still think that Auburn is in a situation where they're running game. If they're able, this is one of the deepest backfields in the entire SEC and I know they're a little bit shorthanded here with the injury that has occurred on their running staff but do you think that that'll be a huge difference for them if they are able to establish the running game without Damari Austin being out due to injury yeah no question about it you look still got you still got Jarquez Hunter we see we saw Brian Batty last week make plays against A&M that Jeremiah Cobb and then Sean Jackson got a shot and, and the Hewitt Trussell player he he can he can go too so they've got some depth at running back if they can get the game running game going they got some bodies back there to do some things but you're, but I still think it's going to take more than that because Georgia sooner or later Kirby Smart's going to say hey I dare you I dare you to throw it and they're going to stack the line of scrimmage and make Auburn do something else and you got to take advantage of those one-on-one -on -one opportunities and, and make some plays. Jason, also, not only do you have the number one team coming into your backyard, it just so happens to be what some people would consider a bitter or a better robbery against Georgia than against Alabama, the recruits that will be on campus and the ability to say, hey, look, this is the Auburn family. This is the Auburn creed. This is what it's going to be like when you suit up for the Auburn Tigers. That would be huge for 
or it is going to be huge from a recruiting standpoint because Auburn and Georgia battle for so many of those recruits. Yeah, no, you got a lot, a lot of, you're right, a lot of Auburn-Georgia battles going on. That should be a huge crowd. There's a lot of, not only football, but a bunch of basketball guys, a couple of five-star basketball prospects on hand, baseball visitors. Uh, it's a huge weekend for everybody in terms of athletic department for Auburn. And, yeah, they, the better the atmosphere, the, the better the recruiting goes. And if you can put this, like I say, you make this a four-quarter game, then uh, then you're going to you're gonna have a great day of recruiting. Yeah, I, I think I'm looking forward to just seeing how they're able to sustain it. And I know, speaking of recruiting, you were able to see a few of our players from our neck of the woods and Bryce Kane and I honored him last week as our Crichton Optimist Club player of the week. This young man just has phenomenal speed. Perry Uno Thompson's another one of those wide receiver recruits that will add depth to this Auburn Tiger team next year. Yeah, no, we enjoyed it. We got to see Foley Baker. Really good game, fun game, one of the games of the year so far in in Alabama high school football. And so hoping we get the same thing tonight. We're at Thompson uh for Thompson Clay Chalk, well, a game that's going to be on ESPN2 tonight. Uh, D'Angelo Barber's an Auburn linebacker commitment that we'll get to see, but obviously Thompson has tons of guys. Uh, Clay Chalk has five-star Alabama commitment. Jalen Nimbakwe playing quarterback, but he's going to be a DB. So, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll get the same thing tonight. Just so many great athletes that are in and taking part of high school football in the state of Alabama, and that matchup being on ESPN2 tonight. So much more high school football to come as well. But as far as Auburn is concerned, were, were you at all shocked with that halftime score last week against Texas A&M? No, I mean, I, you know, I, I wasn't blown away by Texas A&M. They're, they got a really talented roster, but that, I thought that Auburn just couldn't make enough plays. Yeah, it's a situation where I know that you would get that little extra juice there in Jordan-Hare Stadium for the matchup. And now that we've talked some football, I know Bruce Pearl and the basketball program, their schedule, their TV times, they're looking at a new team, and they did a great job in the offseason recruiting also. Yeah, no, they got a lot of you know new, new players, talented guys. Denver Jones should be a really good addition for this team as a shooting guard. A five-star point guard, Aiden Holloway, um, there at point guard with uh, Trey Donaldson. Um, they got some some really good additions to this team. And how quickly can you gel and bring everything together is always the question. But uh, it should be a team that I think is going to, you know, once again compete and have a chance to, to make some noise in the postseason. Auburn's golf handling their business too, so there's a lot of great things that are going on within Auburn athletics as a whole. You've seen the renovations to a lot of the facilities, the, the building up of a lot of facilities. So it's a great time to be an Auburn Tiger fan and alum and a student there. Yeah, I got a lot going on. You're right. It's uh, lots of things going on. I think we'll just continue to see more and more of those renovations, additions moving forward under John Cohen. So, but yeah, good time. And uh, hopefully uh, that'll, uh, that'll show up on Saturday. Jason, how can people follow all of your tremendous coverage? I know that you, you're always on Twitter slash X. You have great interviews, great access to players and coaches as well. And, People want to know all about the Auburn Tiger family. No better place than to do to get it from Jason Caldwell. How can people follow you? 
Yeah, they can check us out at auburnundercover.com, a part of the 24-7 network. And you can also follow me on Twitter at ITACJ. Jason, thank you so much and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Corey. Jason Caldwell has been covering the Auburn Tigers for over 24 years and part of that 24-7 sports network and auburnundercover.com. And, yeah, Hugh Freeze will be in Mobile, Alabama this Monday at Moe's Barbecue downtown, and it's part of the first and 10 C Spire Ventures Bowl to where last month Jen Donovan, former he head coach at, at Georgia, was a, a speaker. Kane Womack has spoken also. So always enjoy presenting the high school player of the month with that plaque there. But looking forward to hearing what Hugh Freeze has to say, especially after taking on the number one team in the country and not getting any easier for Coach Freeze is after they have that bye week and are able to assess how things are going halfway through the season, they're going to have to play the LSU Tigers as well. You're listening to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5. Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Nick. Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Corey, did you know that tonight begins a stretch of there being at least one college football game or an NFL game for 54 of the next 55 days? Next Tuesday is the last scheduled day without a game until November 22nd. Love it. Absolutely love it. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Right. You'll hear that song about Christmas. No, yeah, the, the this next month and a half is absolutely fabulous from a football standpoint. It's, you know, you, you wait eight months after January or February, the Super Bowl ends to get a little bit more football in your system. But I mean, makes have it, to wait long. Makes it easy on us for our jobs. There's always a game to cover and a game to preview. I, I love it. I love it. And I love it just like. Up next, the prep spotlight with Pigskin Pete and Brian Gennard as they'll be previewing what's going on in high school athletics. Tonight at Lad People Stadium, as soon as I leave out of here, going to see Gulf Shores, top five team in the state of Alabama, taking on the Murphy Panthers at Lad People Stadium. I'll be on the PA for that game tonight, so I'll let you know how that game goes tomorrow. NFL on deck tonight. If you like what's going on in the NFL, you'll have a chance to get a little bit of that in your yeah. system tonight too, some Nick. Some Lions, some Bears. I'm curious, Corey, with all this football coming up and with there going to be a football game on every night, you know, last night and the night before, no football. What what does a Corey LeBounty watch at home when there's no football? On me personally, I've been on a Gordon Ramsay kick. Been watching a lot of Kitchen Nightmares, a lot no, I, of MasterChef. I, 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 I do MasterChef. Okay. And Hell's Kitchen's getting ready to start back up. Yeah. So I do a little bit of that. I like to see Gordon Ramsay go off. I'm, I'm also DVRing 
a little bit of power force. Uh, okay. The shy just ended, so I, I try to catch up with that as well. I never watched Power. Well, I, I tell you. Empire, you're watching yeah, that? Uh, Empire, I liked Empire when it was on. Little yeah. Terrence Howard, Taraje uh -huh. going on there. I definitely like that. But it is definitely the best time of the year because you, you just get all kind of football, whether it's having a chance to go see the parks and recreation, teams play on Saturdays, these middle school teams that are playing on mm. Thursdays, love watching them play the high school. Then you go over to college football. So can never get enough of that for sure. And anytime you do have someone like Hugh Freeze coming to Mobile to where That's you, awesome. you, you do get a chance to, to get a, a better feel. And, you know, it's not the kiss of death. Brian Harson came last year, and the very next day he was fired. Oh, as wow. Auburn's head coach. So that didn't work out too well for I, I Coach Harson. I think Hugh Freeze is going to be safe from yeah, that a lot fate. more, a lot more stability there for Coach <laughs> yeah. Freeze for sure. And, and here's the thing, too. He's actually probably going to make, make himself seen amongst a lot of these high school coaches and a lot of these high school athletes also, unlike what we've seen in the past there. But Auburn is up against the number one team in the country. And – Again, the similarities between Alabama and Auburn from the quarterback position. Right now, you'd have to give Alabama a little bit of an edge from a quarterback position standpoint from what you've seen. The disappointment in the Texas game was obvious. Will there be that same disappointment for Auburn and Georgia as well? Peyton Thorne, Robbie, Ashford, who's the answer for the Auburn Tigers at quarterback? I think that's the million-dollar question that Hugh Freeze will have a better answer for here after I don't, this game. I don't think there's any answer that's going to get you a good grade. I'll put it like that. Hey, look, stick around. Do enough to let your defense help you out, and I think you, you'll have a much more competitive game because that 14.5-point spread by the professionals who take your money for a living, that lets you know something. Gulf Coast Auto Tech, Tide, and Tiger Report, thank you for listening. Tomorrow... Want to make sure Jake Crane, you catch him. Crane's hot takes. Don't want to miss that. Al Weeding getting us up to date on MCPSS TV Network. Thanks for tuning in to the final drive in the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report.